Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Amy G, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. Today's date is Friday, January 18, 2019. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are at the doctor's opinion, the chapter of the doctor's opinion, at page XXIX, fourth paragraph through two paragraphs. Today's readers are Deb W., Becca R., Barb E. The reference number for yesterday's meeting, the 10 a.m. Eastern meeting, is 12433. That's 12,433. For yesterday's 7 a.m. Eastern time meeting is 12432. That's 12,432. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, Our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask for Carmela G. to read the 12 steps. Go ahead, Carmela. Carmela G. from New York. Thank you so much, Amy. The 12 steps. We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, We're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continue to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles 
in all our affairs. I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Carmela. I will now ask for Anita L. to read the 12 steps. Go ahead, Anita. Good morning, everybody. Yeah, I was going to say, (laughs) this is Anita L. from Philadelphia, Uh, the 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and with that, I pass. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you, Anita. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. If you go over, you'll hear me say time. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This this meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study in the big book, chapter The Doctor's Opinion, paragraph uh, page XXIX, starting at the fourth paragraph that says, I 
do not hold with those who believe, following through two paragraphs, I will now ask for Deb W. to get us started. Go ahead, Deb. Good morning. Good morning. This is Deb W. Recovered in Oklahoma. I do not hold with those who believe that alcoholism is entirely a problem of mental control. I have had many men who, for example, worked a period of months on some problem or business deal which was to be settled on a certain date favorable to them. They took a drink a day or so prior to the date. Then the phenomenon of craving at once became paramount to all other interests so that the important appointment was not met. These men were not drinking to escape. They were drinking to overcome a craving beyond their mental control. There are situations which arise out of the phenomenon of craving which cause men to make supreme sacrifice rather than to continue to fight. You know, I I, I was reading this and it kind of putting in place uh, me who is a compulsive eater. in that, um, yeah, I have to ingest. I have to ingest it, the food, the the binge food, and then to be without it uh, is where uh, my mind comes in and wants it. Okay, so maybe I'll just say a few days before I had a, a certain uh, binge food by my desk while I'm working and I'm all off into it and it it sets up the allergy and it messes with my uh, mental capacities Um, and um, I crave it. I crave it because I'm not having it because I'm trying to get through, you know, the day because I left the job, I'm going home and, and the appointment that I have may be coming up, but then all of a sudden I decided that I I know I can't have this thing in order to have a clear head. I don't know if I'm giving a very good example this morning or not, but yet that phenomenon of craving is so strong, you know, I give into it, you know, I give into it. Um, I I agree also that it's not just mental. I I believe that um, that uh, in the very beginning when I was young, I didn't even think about uh, whether I, you know to control or not to control. I was a skinny uh, young person. Uh, it was when the allergy had built up in my system for those specific binge foods that uh, that I missed. And it gone from a bad habit into the allergy that it interrupted with my, you know, my life, my my uh, day to day, and uh, to not have it to get up in the morning and not have that sugar fix, uh, caused me fogginess, caused me uh, unclarity, and caused me to uh, look for that 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 calm and that um, that order that. Uh, the sugar gave me the the order that the uh, sugar filled coffee, the order that the Coke gave, seemed to give me clarity uh, in the morning, so that I could show up for that day. Yeah. Um, 
So uh, I guess with with that, I'll pass. I I uh, hope you got something from that. Thank you. Thank you, Deb W. Okay, so who would like to share on what was read? Nancy P. from Boston. Rita Harlan P. G. Nota J. Barbara E. Nancy O. Okay, so this is what I've got for the first round. I've got Nancy R., Katie G., Harlan G., was it Nelson? Nelson, Nelson G? Nelson no. R? Nosa, N-O-S-A, J. Okay, Nelson J, Barbara E, and Nancy S. Okay, go ahead, Nancy R. Good morning. Uh, thank you for your service, and uh, thanks for everybody that's making this possible. Uh, my name is Nancy R. I am a grateful recovered compulsive overeater. And recently, um, I came across some um, material about the disease concept of alcoholism, and uh, I also came across some uh, material. Um, the research has been done that explains the phenomena of craving. And uh, I don't know why this isn't uh, widely circulated to the medical profession, but it, but it, it really explains what happens in terms of the metabolism of an alcoholic and a non-alcoholic and what happens to the, you know, the process of metabolism between a compulsive overeater and a non-compulsive overeater. We are, we are bodily, I mean, it really demonstrated for me that we are truly bodily different and why we cannot safely eat our foods uh, like um, regular eaters or um, what happens is that our bodies do not, do, you know, our bodies don't go through the same process of metabolism, and the uh, enzymes are not broken down the way they are in normal eaters, and it causes our bodies to physically are caused to crave more because the process, the, the process of metabolism is not completed. And when we put more in, it just makes, it, you know, the cycle just completes itself more and more. And so it just proves that if I ingest those substances, I am physiologically bound to crave. And, and the only, the only, I mean, the uh, information I read just reinforced my only option is not to ingest it because once it happens, I cannot stop. It doesn't matter if I have a date uh, with Denzel Washington tonight. Wouldn't that be something? Um, I, I would, uh, I would be more interested in getting more of my substance, my alcoholic substance, than food. So I am just so grateful. You know, the more I um, study this program, the more I understand who I am. I'm not a, I'm not a weak-willed glutton. I have a disease. I didn't ask for it, but it's my lot. But this recovery journey has led me to a much better way of life than I would have ever had on my own. And with that, I pass. Thank you for letting me share. Thank you, Nancy R. Katie G., you're up. Good morning, Amy. Good morning, my fellows. Katie G., recovered in Boston. Yeah, I mean, if this was just about my mental strength, I have a very controlled and controlling mind, 
you know, like I've pushed through a lot. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, but the thing is that food gets inside me and it was such a freedom to learn that I have an abnormal reaction. Like it, I put foods, ingredients and behaviors into my body. So like laxatives, Ipecac, over-exercise, and I, I can't stop. No matter who you are, no matter what you are, no matter what you're offering me, millions and millions of dollars, it doesn't matter. I'm a goner. I am, I am compulsed. I am, I am like mandated with, with handcuffs to, to shove that into my, shove the food in. I remember in my last relapse, um, my mind saying, please stop, like, <laughs> stop eating. What are you going to do now? And then the disease part of my mind saying, keep putting the food in your body. Keep putting the food in your body. Like, like the chemicals in my body were just like my blood was pumping, you know, and, and it was, it was horrible. Um, and, and that is disease, right? Like my, my husband can overeat on a candy bar and he's not mandated to then crawl through the house and find any other candy, you know, and the other thing that this uh, paragraph mentions is there are many situations which arise out of the phenomenon of craving which cause men to make the supreme sacrifice. And what I have been taught by the women who've gone before me is the supreme sacrifice, sadly, is death. It's suicide. And I just want to pause for a moment, and I hope this isn't out of line, but, you know, I know women who've taken their lives because of this disease, and, um, and it's awful. It's awful. I pray for them daily. I pray for their souls. And um, if you're not convinced that this is life and death or this isn't life and death for you, you know, it, it is for me. And I've seen that. I've seen that in the years that I've been in these rooms. Um, and so, uh, you know, I just pray for them. And I thank God from the bottom of my heart that I have a seat in the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous. And I don't want to lose this seat ever. You know, I want to sit with all of you a day at a time. Um, and at the end of my life, if wherever I'm going, and whoever it is says to me, Katie, you could have had this, this, and this food, doesn't matter. Why? Because I don't want the food today, right? Like the food is not the best thing that happens to me today. It's life. It's life. Whatever it is, it's life. And it's good. And I want it. And I'm grateful to be here with all of you. And with that, I pass. Thank you, KG. Harlan, Harlan G, you are up. Thank you, Amy, and uh, I'm Harlan G. And, and also thank you to Team Friday for making this magnificent meeting possible. I'm Harlan G. I'm in Los Angeles, California this morning uh, for the OA birthday. Wish you were here too if you're not, and glad Woo-hoo. you're here too if you're listening. This is going to be a whale of a convention. From the time I was a little boy, people sent me a very, very clear, strong message. You're no good. You're no good. If you weren't so fat, life would be great. If you loved your mother, you wouldn't eat that way. If you loved your father, you wouldn't eat that way. If you ever want to get a good job, you better not be fat. If you ever want to get a girlfriend, you better not be fat. If you ever want to be successful, you better not be fat. And fat people can't play on the team, and fat people can't do this. And I got a very, very clear signal that I was just wrong all over the place, that my existential being was incorrect. I didn't deserve to suck air out of the atmosphere, and I wanted to die. I wanted to be dead, and I wished that I was never born. The pain of knowing 
in my soul that I was defective, that I was doing this out of some lack of discipline, caused me to want to be dead rather than alive. And Dr. Silkworth said to me, I do not hold with those who believe that alcoholism is entirely a problem of mental control. And he tells this to me in a couple of different ways. I did not cause this. I cannot control this. I cannot cure this. My morbid obesity did not occur because of some weakness in my character. It did not occur because of some stupidity that ran through me. I am not a bad person. I am a good person. I am not a defective person. I am an effective person. And I was having a conversation before this meeting started with someone that I sponsor, telling this person that one of the things that happens in recovery is after a certain number of years, things start to clear up that you didn't even know were broken. I want to live. And I have an appreciation that I am a valuable human being. That's not what I came here for, but it's what I got. This is a great life, and it's worth living, and it's not a dress rehearsal. And I don't have to hide from people because I was overweight or because I ate this. And I ate the food, and the food ate me. It ate decades of my life. And I'll close with this, Amy. Life is worth living, but my recovery makes it a life beyond good. It puts me in God's hands in that fourth dimension. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Harlan. Nosa J, you are up. Hi, this is Nosa J, compulsive overeater. So, um, as um, she was reading that, I was like, oh, I've never um, missed an appointment because of my eating. Um, and then, you know, I start thinking, like, um, my mind starts going, <laughs> and it's like, um, but I definitely have, um, you know, spent money on food that I didn't have. So I will, you know, definitely go negative in my bank account because I need that pizza or I need that ice cream or, you know, any of, any of my binge foods, you know, and I get that. Um, I know this last time, like, I get that, like, I'm so, like, intense and compulsive about I have to have it. And, um, you know, so then I, I'll miss, you know, my bills. You know, when my bills are due, I won't have enough money, you know. So that is so me, you know. Um, I miss those things. And, and. And I, it's like I can't help it, you know. Um, and so when I, when I come and I share and I have a sponsor and I'm abstinent, um, then I don't, I don't think like that. And you know, I haven't thought like that. Like, oh, I just cannot stop without having it, um, you know. And I, and I'm just like, okay, I'm having my three meals a day. I'm reaching out. I'm sharing. Um, 
I'm in the book with my sponsor, um, you know, and I have that relief where I'm not, um, I'm not, you know, so irritable and discontented. Um, and just to me, it's like I'm crazy, you know. Um, so, you know, just hearing you guys every morning and relating to you, um, I know I'm in a good, you know, in the right spot. And, um, you know, today I'm not compulsively overeating and um, I feel wonderful. So um, thank you so much for being here for me. And um, thank you for your service. And I'll pass. Thank you, Nosa J. Barbara E., your turn. Oh, good morning. I didn't think you'd caught my name. I appreciate that. I hope you're timing me because I am not. I am. Um, Okay, fantastic. Wow. Again, wonderful. When I came into OA back in the day, I felt doomed. I felt damned. I felt without any hope. Today, in 2019, I feel blessed. Uh, I feel that life is precious, miraculous, and getting the clarity around the food gives and continues to give me clarity in every other sense of my life. But in order to maintain it, I have to keep living in 10, 11, and 12. I thought everyone needed this necessary course of action to overcome this vital disease, but I was wrong. If you're not like me, a low-bottom overeater with that allergy and mental twist that makes me want more and more of the foods I want, and I'm totally unable to stop, then you may not need this program. I couldn't stop. In reading this chapter, I feel a real sense of my past. I was thinking about time being a river, and behind me the river is muddy like my past, my obesity, my sadness, my isolation, my despair. And just ahead of me, the river is clear. I can live without going back to the food. I can live within steps 10 and 11 and 12 every day and remain abstinent. This is my passion. But a passion can come in many forms. It can be dancing, painting, gardening, quilting. In fact, anything one does with a passion is very much like praying. It's about surrendering to the inspiration. And for me, the inspiration is my higher power. So I'm out there on the river with my higher power and knowing if the boat tips over, he or she or it will be there to catch me, to save me, because I believe that these steps and you are sacred and miraculous, and without you, I would indeed be dead from my compulsive overeating. Thank you so much. Have a wonderful birthday party. I'm off to an OA retreat in snowy New Jersey, 8 to 12 inches. So please, everyone, pray for us here at the Star Lake Retreat for a safe return. Have a good weekend. I pass. Perfect perfect timing. Okay. Nancy S., it's your turn. Hi, it's uh, Nancy H. 
Um, and I'm very grateful to be on the call this morning. I'm calling from Florida, and we're traveling, my husband and I, for several months, which presents a bunch of challenges. Um, but I shared yesterday that I just recently came back to a vision for you. And I want to just talk about you know, the phenomenon of craving. And I also think that sometimes it's subtle because I had been abstinent for quite a while and I was on in a healthy place. And then little by little, um, I convinced myself it was okay to have this uh, sugary treat. And I think, you know, it didn't happen at once. So for me, it was like gradual. Um, and then, but then sooner or later, I became in a place where I was, and it wasn't just the sugary treat. Like I, I wouldn't necessarily eat a whole box of something, um, although I could eat several of some, so I'm trying not to say specific foods. But overall, it what happened is, number one, that the serenity went away, of course, um, the obsessive thinking. And that's what I want to, I want to not forget that what abstinence does for me and what this program does for me is it removes me from that place where I'm constantly thinking about food and weight. You know, oh, i got to get rid of this weight. What am I doing? What am I going to eat today? What should I say? Should I go back to LA? Should I go to this or that? And then I ended up doing a keto diet, and that was not good for me at all. Um, and so just a few days now I've been back, and I feel such a tremendous serenity, and I've been doing a lot of program work. Um, I got a sponsor, and she's wonderful, and I've been going to a lot of meetings because a lot of meetings down here. So, I mean, I, and praying and working, like I just, but it's such a better way to live. And um, I know I have a long way to go to get that clarity really back, but I'm looking forward to it. And I think it's important. I mean, I hesitate to share it first because sometimes people that have a lot of time, you know, you can tell by their voice that there's so much clarity. Sometimes I think it's good to hear someone that's recently struggled because, you know, I can relate to someone. When I hear somebody that is just coming through, it, it helps me too. So that's all I have. And thank you, God, and thank you, a vision for you. And have a great birthday party. So talk to you soon. Bye. <laughs> thank you, Nancy. Okay, so we're going to open up the line just to remind folks where we are, doctor's opinion, and XXIX, fourth paragraph, two paragraphs. Okay. All right, folks, here's what I got. I got Fasa O, Reva P, Charles H, Kim G, and Arini. Arini M. Okay. Janice P. All right, well, Janice, I'll speak you in here. All right, so okay. PM. Yeah, that should work. Okay. Basso, Reva P, Charles H, Kim G, Irini M, and Janice PM. Okay. Basso, oh, please. Can you hear me, Amy? Yes, I can. Thank you very much for your service and good morning, everyone. I'm Basso, grateful recover compulsive Ovida calling from Florida. And happy birthday. I wish I could be there with all of you. But next time, hopefully. But, anyways, um, 
I did not know what I did not know when I came to Overeaters Anonymous. I have learned it all from you, and I haven't left. I've been here for many, many, many years, and I need to be reminded from where I came from. I don't want to ever, ever go back, so that's why I keep coming and doing what I'm doing. And, um, you know, before I came to OA, I had no hope. I lost hope, you know. My disease was getting so progressive. Finally, with that, where I had no hope, I have found hope. I had gave in, you know, before I came to OA. I remember saying everything I tried, it just didn't work, so I gave in to my disease instead of, and then when I came to OA, I gave in to this program to do whatever it takes, um, and, and I tried it all, and there was not earthly solutions for me on this earth to help me to stop eating, not myself, not doctors, not all the education I had about nutrition. And believe me, I, was a, I could have been a nutritionist trying to explore all the, those different diets, how to do it, and none of it worked. I did not know I had the disease. I did not know I had the allergy. I did not know anything about the mental obsession. Um, and um, so grateful that I was led into Overeaters Anonymous by my sponsor, by my higher power. And that was the solution for me. I learned I had threefold disease, physical, emotional, spiritual. I did come for the physical, of course. I didn't know anything about the emotional. But, you know, once I put the food down, a lot of stuff was coming up that I was eating over. So I'm just so grateful that, you know, I had uh, surrendered to, the, to a higher power greater than myself. I needed to find that power, and I was ready, and I was willing to do whatever it took. I said, I remember saying, I will do whatever you want me to do to my sponsor. I'll surrender to God. I'll surrender to a higher power, surrender to 12 steps, to whatever. And, uh, and I'm so grateful. And then, you know, once I learned about the 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 emotional part, that's what step four came. And right. I needed God to help me with the food, you know. I, I I, don't know where I'd be today. I'd be probably dead. Oh, it's my time. Thank you for letting yes. me share my path. Thank you, Vasa. Reva P., it's your turn. Good morning. This is Reva P., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeat in Toronto. These paragraphs really explain and clarify that I have a twofold um, nature to this disease. And the thing that strikes me the most this morning is the concept that there's something that goes on and it's favorable. Because I always thought that conditions caused me to pick up the food and circumstances, and negative conditions, and negative feelings. But this is telling me, even when things go well in my life, I will still pick up. And for me, I like to think of the vicious cycle as beginning when I'm abstinent. When I'm abstinent, whether things go well, or things are painful and challenging, I will pick up because I have a mental twist that tells me to go pick it up for no good reason sometimes, absolutely no good reason in spite of this huge desire not to do it yet again for the thousandth time. 
And then when I pick up, I've triggered the physical allergy and it's like a tsunami. Like once the physiological trigger is there, I can't control it. It just takes over. I've got a physical, physiological reaction going on in my life. And, you know, it's the same thing with, um, I like to make the analogy like with my feelings. Like this has been a really challenging week. And if I um, pick up a little bit of anger, um, it can become like that same vicious cycle that gets me to think food is the best idea ever. But because this paragraph explains the problem, it also really um, emphasizes the solution that once I put the food down and I work the steps, when I have that crazy thought, like, oh, this would be a great idea to pick up this food, pick up some anger, pick up some resentment, I get a second thought. And that only comes, it has nothing to do with mental control. It's a gift of grace that comes as a result of working the steps. And like it says on 85, we're not fighting, we're not avoiding temptation, it just comes. Um, and it is such a miracle. So it has nothing to do with mental control or being smarter, trying harder. It has to do with the nature of the disease and then really understanding the solution and, and working it. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Reva. Charles H., you are up. Good morning, everybody. My name is Charles H. I recovered compulsive overeat. I'm calling from Inglewood. That's what that's, I heard. That that's this what this is, Inglewood. Um, so I want to drill down where it says I do not hold um, with those that think this problem is a mental control. And I love I, every time I hear that phrase "phenomenon of craving." It it, it reminds me that. Um, it's a rare, unusual craving. It's a craving beyond my mental control. But, um, and it's also listed in the doctor's opinion five times. And in this specific time, it says um, to make the supreme sacrifice. That means, like, to kill myself, right? Um, there are many situations, right, that arise out of the phenomenon of craving. But um, to act like I don't have a phenomenon of craving to certain things, um, that's just insane for me, and that's just being, like, such a stone-cold liar for me. I don't know about you, um, but there, you know, there's certain things. Like, I, I, I used to say that um, I can overeat on anything, and that, that's a damn lie. I don't overeat on some things. There's certain things I do um, that I know that's going to set the phenomenal craving off, like, you know, crack, maybe pancakes, pizza. Those things are going to set the phenomenal craving off in my life. And um, just for today, I don't have to do that. Um, you know, we, me and the guys, we hardly got any sleep last night. And, and the joke is um, we didn't set up the phenomenal craving. And I'm supposed to act like Russ M. tonight. So um, thank you and lo- love you guys. Thank you. I pass. Thanks, Charles. Good luck with that. <laughs> okay, Kim G., your turn. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. Problem with mental control. Situations that are favorable to them. Took a drink, then. Took a drink, then this phenomenon of craving developed. 
Now, this reminds me of what we heard in the prior page where it explains many things for which we cannot otherwise account. And this paragraph specifically explained to me, you know, I always thought, I always described myself as an emotional eater. I always said, if you had my life, you would eat too. And what that set up was this idea that if I could get my way, then I wouldn't eat. You know, if I could get that guy, if I could get that job, if I could fit in that right size jeans and things were going my way, then I would want, wouldn't want to eat. But this paragraph is telling me that something is happening favorable to them. So what baffled me is when I got the guy, when I got down to the size that I, you know, the bridesmaid's dress so that I would look good, what happens is my mind tells me that I'm doing well. I don't need God. I don't need the steps when things are going my way. And I make that exception. And then what I don't understand is because of the biology of my body, then the phenomenon of craving takes over, and I'm in that doctor's opinion cycle. So to me, this confirms, this puts the nail in the coffin. This tells me why I never, ever, ever can have those foods again. This also tells me why I must be abstinent in order to do the work, because when I'm in that phenomenon of craving, nothing else matters. Everything else becomes paramount except for me to get that, that food. So what I hear in here is I think about it this way. It's like if someone has an allergy to strawberries and they break out in a rash. But life is going well. No consequences of the rash. Things are, are, are happy, joyous, and free. And my mind tells me, you know what, I'm just going to have a couple strawberries. And then what I do is I have the strawberries and I try to control having the rash. I'm not going to let myself break out in a rash. I'm not going to let myself break out in a rash. That sounds insane. But how many times did I do that in OA? Things are going well. I'm doing the service. I'm doing the tools. I have a great sponsor. I'm down 10 pounds. I'm down 100 pounds. I'm going to make that exception, and I'm not going to binge, and I'm not going to binge, and I'm not going to binge. It's a biological function. So this is why this, this is so essential to me. I have to understand that no matter what is going on in my life, good, bad, or indifferent, I have an allergy of the body. And if I pick up that food, it's a biological function that's going to take me into hell. And it's going to put that nail in that coffin. And whether I make that supreme sacrifice and kill myself or I have to live daily in, in compulsive overeating until I'm 99, either way is a living hell. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. All right. Irene M., your turn. Irene, star one. Yes. Thank you, Amy. Thank you for your service. Good morning, my spiritual brothers and sisters. My name is Irene, and I'm a very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. Always giving credit where credit is due. So I'm really so grateful for Dr. Silkworth because he taught me that I have this twofold disease that we're talking about. And it is physical and it is mental because I have been experiencing it for so many years. It's that double-edged sword that cuts me up into pieces. And yes, once I start binging on my trigger foods, I can't stop because of that phenomenon of craving. Always wanting more and it's never enough. And that craving always comes after I pick up my trigger foods. And then when I do stop, I can't stay stopped, no matter how much I desire to stop. 
to say stop. I can't because it's the obsession of the mind that's giving me a green light to pick up. It's giving me permission to believe a lie. It's that mental twist that prevents me from seeing the truth. It blocks me from the light of the spirit. And the truth is that I am a compulsive overeater, but I'm not hopeless, and I need God. And that's the truth. It only seems hopeless until I see hope, that I am dealing with a disease that's so cunning and baffling and that's so powerful. So what do I need? I need God to see the truth and see me and set me free from my thinking because I need God to save me from me because I don't have the strength. I don't have the power. I don't have the muscle to fight this disease alone. So I need God. I need his power, his strength, and his direction. I need good orderly direction that would lead me to a spiritual awakening that can only remove the obsession of the mind and live a you know, at peace with myself and have a healthy relationship with food and live a happy, joyous, and free life because of the result of practicing and living in the steps. I thank you and I pass. Thank you, Irene. Janice P.M., your turn. Well, good morning to you, Amy G. This is Janice P.M. from Massachusetts, a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. You know, the previous shares just hit the nail on the head, and I don't know, maybe I can say it different or it's going to be the same. I do not hold. This is Dr. Silkworth. Does he believe that the real, now I'd not just uh, once in a while, somebody that overeats, but the real compulsive overeater, who is me, I don't know if it's you, but I know it's me, I cannot recover by my willpower alone, by mental control. This, this paragraph spells out two things for me. It spells out unmanageability by me, because boy, did I try to manage my life all kinds of ways, and powerlessness. For example, this person, Bill, was completely sober, like I was abstinent. I'm trying to relate it. But I had, he had many men who had worked, you know, everything like it was said, all the emotions, everything was going good, but for a period of time. And then something happened. What happened? Well, you know, we had the good job and everything. I believe, I'm sure somebody else can tell the real story, but it's, it, it, I remember the story going, they were someplace, and somebody passed around this uh, liquor was called Applejack. And, you know, there he was, you know, um, oh, we never tried it, never tried it. So what happened? A day or so prior to this business date, he took a, uh, took a drink. And then, notice, the phenomenon of craving begins after you inge- I ingested certain substances. That's when the word craving, he uses craving here as, as, as the word allergy uh, is synonymous because craving doesn't come before he takes the drink. It's that mental uh, powerlessness. It's that mental 
unmanageability by me. We're powerless. We can't even think our way through, through it. We have it in our system. You wake up and you say, oh, yeah. They, well, you know, I gave the example of the dog. You, you, you throw the, he's asleep. He's asleep. But then you're wiggling. Come on, come on, get up and eat. Get up and eat. Of course, he's going to jump up and eat. And that's what the allergy did in my, in my body. So now the phenomenon of craving. Then means after. After the phenomenon of craving, after I got that little one bite, uh, then I'm off to the races. Now, and everything's going good, like was mentioned. Everything was going good in my life. But you see, some people would rather die for the cause to get their food than to go through it of the pain. And with that, I'm going to pass. Thanks, Amy and everybody. Thank you, Janice PM. Well, we've got a minute and a half here. and yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. No, no. Sorry, y'all. We only got about a minute and a half, and, and I'm going to steal it. Sorry, because <laughs> I can. My name's Amy G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Maryland. You know, I think Dr. Opinion bears repeating that the doc up here, he's, the doctor is repeating a very crucial aspect of this disease, as others have mentioned, which is the allergy of the body. That if I don't put my allergic substances, the substances that make me uh, crave more and more and more, then I'm doomed. Then I'm doomed. But I don't work my way through the steps to getting abstinent. I get abstinent first. Abstinent is by far and away, as many have said, not everything, but it is a prerequisite for working this program. And if I don't put the food down, my trigger foods down, then I don't stand a chance because what am I dealing with then? The phenomenon of craving that everyone has so succinctly been talking about. I am beyond biologically, beyond an ability to control that craving, you know? So I have to put my foods down first. And I know for me as a newcomer, those trigger foods, understanding what they were, was something I needed to work with with a sponsor. When she asked me what my trigger foods were to put down my alcoholic foods, what were they? Well, in some ways I didn't understand. And she said to me, what are the foods you crave? And then the bells and whistles went off and I was able to understand the ingredients and the particulars of the different trigger foods that were always going to cause me to crave more and more. And that's something I did that I worked with in a sponsor, with a sponsor. But that was step zero. That was putting the food down first because of the allergy of the body. I have an allergic reaction when I put those substances into my body, an abnormal reaction. And so that has to come first. And then because of the mental obsession, it's not done. It's only the beginning. I have to work the rest of this program, these 12 steps. I need a power greater than myself to deal with my, with my brain, what's up in between my ears. And with that, I'll pass. I've got time for maybe one more person after me who would like to share. No takers? Ginger C. Ginger C. Go ahead. Okay, thanks so much, Amy, for your service this morning, and good morning to everyone on the line. This is Ginger C. Recovered Compulsive Overeater. And this just reminds me of Fred, you know, not a cloud on the horizon, having a great day. So what's my problem? My biggest problem is I lack power. I am powerless each and every day. 
So again, we get to wash, rinse, repeat. Here we go, brand new day, 4.51 Pacific time in the morning. And the first thing when I open my eyes, you know, good morning, God, because that power between me and the bite is what's going to keep me safe and protected today. And that's the hardest thing is because I have this ego that constantly wants to edge God out in such sneaky and silent ways. So I have to always think, where am I with this power that I'm lacking? Because if I am not thinking about God and I'm not staying close, I'm going to bend the elbow and I'm going to pick up. And the sad reality is that supreme sacrifice that we talked about, suicide, it's real. You know, this is life and death. And when I eat sugar, I get suicidal. And there were three times I was going to a car to kill myself. And thank you, God. It's amazing that I don't think about food as any type of solution to get through this thing called life. I just press in and press on. And then I have these amazing experiences. I get to be with family and really alive and awake and alert. My family called me Mary Poppins yesterday. And that's because I just show up with love and connection. I'm not thinking about getting these candy treats at Disneyland. I'm thinking about these little kids that I'm with and the joy that they're experiencing. And again, this is all because of God. So give credit where it's due. We don't do this. We get the gift of desperation. And then we finally concede to our innermost selves. We put down the food and then we get a life that we've never even dreamed of. So thank you, God, for doing for me what I don't do. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Ginger C. And on that note, I would like to thank everyone who shared and for all those who gave service today. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following the share ID for today's meeting, Friday, January, drew a blank, oh, January 18th, 12,436, 12436. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Becca R. please read A Vision for You? Hey, this is Becca R. from Kentucky, Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.